Isaiah chapter 60, as is our custom, if you would, stand for the reading of God's Word as we open the sermon here this evening, the Bible study here this evening, Isaiah 60. We'll be looking at the first three verses. The Bible says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. The title again of the Bible study is this, No More Night. There is going to come a day in the eternal kingdom where there is no more night. The sun won't go down. Hey, there will be no more daylight savings time. Can I get an amen right there? All right? That'll be a happy day, won't it? Uh, Jesus will be the light that shines bright forevermore. Let's pray together. Lord, as we get back into this passage, help us to understand it. But Lord, if we understand the truth with our head and we don't go forth and live it in our heart, then we're hearers and not doers and we're deceiving our own selves. Lord, we don't want to deceive our own selves. We want the truth to, uh, Lord God, change our heart. So, Lord, may we come to church every service with that spirit, especially tonight. And, Lord, help me to pull the things out of the passage that you would, uh, Lord, uh, lead me to do. And, Lord God, use me as your instrument in the hearts of each of these people. Lord God, we turn this rest of the service over to you. And so, Lord, use this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We said last week that um, this chapter here is prophetic of the millennial reign leading in to the eternal kingdom. The millennial reign leading into the eternal kingdom. So this chapter in Isaiah has yet to be fulfilled as we're still awaiting on that millennial reign. And we recapped all the way back to Genesis 12. We talked about how Abraham was called to leave his his hometown Ur of the Chaldees and travel to a geographical location we now know to be Israel. Uh, The Lord promised Abraham that if he would just obey, that God would make of him a great nation, and that every nation of the earth would be blessed. So in their old age, God gave Abraham and Sarah a little baby. They named him Isaac, which means laughter. There's a double meaning there. And Isaac Isaac and his wife would give birth to Jacob, And later, the Lord would change Jacob's name to Israel. We're given the express lane here. Israel, Jacob or Israel, would have uh, 12 sons. And uh, one of them, named Judah, would be promised in a sort of vague manner uh, on Jacob's, uh, rather on uh, Israel's deathbed. He would tell his son Judah that, uh, in essence, the Messiah would come through him. Well, uh, we look forward several hundred years, and Judah's descendant has a, a, has a man named Jesse. Jesse gives birth to a man named David. There it is. And David uh, is just a little shepherd boy, the last of his father's sons, and David becomes the king of Israel. And uh, David is so a man after God's own heart on such an intense level that he tells the Lord, he says, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a house. Nathan the prophet comes back the next day and says, you are not going to build the Lord a house. This is 2 Samuel 7. Instead, the Lord is going to build you a house. uh, And you are going to be established forever. One day the Messiah will sit on, 
Listen up now. The Messiah will sit on your throne, David. And that was the promise that was made. Well, we know that the Messiah would be the son of Jesse, the son of David. And surely, uh, David, uh, rather, uh, Mary and Joseph, so legally and naturally, Jesus was born uh, to the descendants of David there in Bethlehem. And we know that every nation of the earth is blessed through Jesus. However, you cannot read the major and minor prophets, um, uh, let's see, Isaiah all the way through Malachi, and come to any other fair conclusion than that God is just not yet done with Israel. God has a plan for Israel. Over and over and over again, God uses Israeli prophets to tell His people there is coming a day where Jesus will sit, rather the Messiah will sit and rule and reign for a thousand years. And it's referred to over and over again as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Let's get into the outline tonight and talk about that time where Israel will once again be at the center of God's great plan. Number one, we saw Israel's enlightenment. Israel's enlightenment. Uh, we talked about letter A, the source of their light. Go back with me to verse number one. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and His glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles, these are the non-Jews, shall come to thy light, and kings to thy brightness, to the brightness of Thy rising. So there will be a time where the earth is covered in darkness, and lo and behold, King Jesus will come and will rise up over the earth, and his brightness will shine on Israel. They will glow, and the nations of the earth, the Gentile nations of the earth, will be drawn in to this light. We talked about how that uh, Genesis, we went through Genesis, we looked at John uh, 1 and John 8, we talked about how that Jesus is the light. John 8, 12, uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So, Jesus is uh, the light in uh, Isaiah 60 that will rise up over the horizon and will shine bright. The source of the light is the Lord. We talked about how that God hid Abraham. Remember this? God hid, rather Moses. God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock and passed by and just let him see the, the, the afterglow of his glory. And what happened? His face glowed. The face of Moses glowed as a result. So much so that when he came down off the mountain, they made him wear a veil because his face was blinding them. His countenance was blinding them. And so the source of their light is the glory of God. Uh, Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of... There it is. Who is the glory of God? The Lord Jesus Christ is the glory of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is sinless and we are sinners. So the source of their light. Then we looked at letter B, the steadfastness of their light. Look at verse 19 with me of Isaiah 60. Look with me there in the end of the chapter there. Verse 19. The Bible says, The sun shall be no more, thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God 
thy glory. The sun shall be no more, that rather the sun shall no more go down. Neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy morning shall be ended. I have the words light all throughout this chapter circled, and then I have everlasting light circled there in verse 20, the steadfastness of their light. We went back and looked at Genesis 1, how that the six days of creation, uh, the Bible says, and the evening, notice the order here, the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. The evening and the morning were the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seven, day, seven days. We know that the Jewish clock was ran that way. That the day began, or uh, the marking of their day began at sundown and ran all the way through uh, till the next day's sundown. We seem to think of our day as starting at midnight, right? Uh, our calendar is starting at midnight and working all the way through to the next. But that is not how it was here in Genesis 1. It was the evening and the morning, and when you got to the next evening, it began again. We talked about how that, that day of the Lord phrase, the tribulation will be the evening. It will be the darkness where the Christians are removed from this earth, and great darkness with no Holy Spirit light is yet to be seen. The Antichrist will rule and reign. He'll persecute the Jews that are here. That evening will be dark. That darkness will be great. And then all of a sudden, the day will come as Jesus Christ comes onto the scene in the valley of Megiddo, the battle is fought, the, the, the war is won, and King Jesus sets up His rule for a thousand years. That will then lead into the millennial reign. And so, the steadfastness of that light, when King Jesus comes on the scene, and especially by the time we get to the millennial kingdom, there will be no more, or rather, excuse me, when we get to the everlasting kingdom, the eternal kingdom, there will be no more sun, there will be no more moon, and there will be no more stars. Why? Because the Lord will be the light that shines so bright, there will be no shadow anywhere. We talked about how that light creates a shadow, but there, the Lord will be such a bright light, He will be, uh, He will fill in every shadow, it will be nothing but uh, the brightness for all of eternity. What a day that will be. Revelation 22, we looked at uh, that same thought of there being no more night. And there coming a day, there will be no more night. So we saw Israel's enlightenment. Number two, we moved on and we looked at Israel's enlargement. Israel's enlargement. Uh, we talked about uh, letter A, their reunion. We looked at verse 4. In fact, look back with me at verse number 4. Lift up thine eyes, Isaiah 60. Lift up thine eyes round about and see uh, all, they, uh, all they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from far. Thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Look down at verse 8. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as the doves to their windows? Surely the isles shall wait for me and the ships of Tarshish first. To bring thy sons from far, their silver and their gold with them, unto the name of the Lord thy God, and to the Holy One of Israel, because He hath glorified thee. So the, their children uh, will be the descendants, that the Jews that have been scattered all over the earth, and to this day are still scattered all over the earth. There will be a day where they will be brought home, and they will dwell again in Israel. One interesting fact that I have been pointing out is that God told Abraham, I will give your descendants everywhere that your foot steps. And if you, uh, and, and he lays out very clear what those parameters are. If you were to look at uh, Israel at its largest 
uh, land uh, uh, time, a uh, geographical land, it would have been just uh, just a little over 9,000 square feet. The Bible promises them an area of 300,000 square feet. They have never inhabited that. That promise in God's Word is yet to come true. That promise was made to Joshua. It is yet to come true. It is believed that it will come true when the Lord Jesus rules and reigns in Israel uh, at that time. So we see their reunion. You bring all the Jews, all the Israelites back home to their homeland. There's going to need to be a lot of space where they will dwell. Their reunion, letter B, we see their restoration. Their restoration. Uh, quickly, look with me at verse number uh, 10. Look down at verse number 10. The Bible says, And the sons of the strangers shall build up thy walls, and their kings shall minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor have I had mercy on thee. Therefore thy gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day nor night, that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles, and that their kings may be brought. So uh, we see their restoration. The walls will be rebuilt. The gates will be left open. Uh, and strangers will be the ones that come in and do that. Let's move on here and let's look at number three. Let's talk about Israel's exaltation. Israel's exaltation. All right. Now, uh, that was the fly real quick through the notes, get you caught up. Now we're going to kind of slow it down and, uh, and, and hunker into this point here. Letter A notice, their enemies executed. Their enemies executed. Look with me at Isaiah 60. Look at verse number 12. Isaiah 60, verse 12. The Bible says, For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. I love when the Bible uses the word wasted to describe destruction. I think of like a Rocky Balboa movie where, some, Balboa movie where someone's just getting wasted, okay? Uh, maybe an Italian crime movie where someone's getting wasted, all right? I, I know that's uh, slang-type talk, but, but that's the idea here, right? Someone's getting destroyed. They're being utterly destroyed. The enemies of God's people will be executed. Let me show you something here. Take your Bibles over to Joel, Joel chapter 3 and verse number 1. Joel chapter 3. When will this prophecy take place? When will the enemies of Israel be wasted, be executed? Joel chapter 3. We know this, that all throughout the existence of God's people, there has been a strong hatred against them. And you can look through history and see it. In fact, anti-Semitism is alive and well today in our world. It's very strong today in our world. And uh, some of you here maybe have known a Jewish person through your life and, and had a disfavorable interaction with them. I, I can say that I've had a disfavorable interaction or two with someone who is Jewish. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a problem with someone who is Jewish. There is something wrong about having a problem with all the Jews based on one inter interaction. Do you all understand this concept? A part-to-whole comparison is faulty and wrong. You understand that? You all awake tonight? All right. If I go to Olive Garden 
and decide it's dirty and I saw a cockroach, that doesn't mean every olive garden in America is not worth going to. You with me? All right? That's a terrible way to live your life, okay? Um, uh, so, just because you had a problem with a Jew one time doesn't mean every Jew is the same way. You with me tonight? Every, every Semite is the same way. Um, Anti-Semitism is strong, Semitism is strong and uh, there will be a day where it's even worse. Look at Joel 3, look at verse 1. Uh, For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations, this is yet to happen, and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them, therefore my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. There is a day coming where God is going to gather together all of the rulers of the world and He's going to judge them for the way they treated His people. You say, Pastor, has this happened yet? It has not happened yet. I believe Joel 3's prophecy will be fulfilled at the end of the valley of Megiddo after God has, Jesus has come down, Revelation 20, 21, He's come down and He's destroyed the nations, then He's going to bring in those rulers who opposed Israel or helped Israel, and He's going to judge them. Turn over to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And we'll see the fulfillment of the valley of Jehoshaphat promise, prophecy there. Matthew 25, we're going to expand our reading just beyond 31 through 33. Those of you watching at home, uh, I, I gave our, our uh, media team just those verses. So you may want to get your Bible out uh, to follow along. Look at verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. Well, that prophecy, uh, as far as I know, King Jesus has never sat on a throne here on planet Earth. So this part of the end days prophecy that began in Matthew 24 has yet to take place. Look at 32. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. This sure sounds like to me like what we read in Joel, does it not? About Him uh, judging the nations of the world. Look at verse 33. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. So what will qualify uh, those rulers of these nations as sheep or goats? Keep reading. Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Jesus continues saying to these kings, Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous, and that word righteous means in right standing with God, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, and clothed, uh, naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? Look what King Jesus says here. 
And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, read those next two words. What's it say? Hey, you all wake up out there. Read together. Ready? My brethren. There it is. Ye have done it unto me. Who are these brethren? These are the Jews. These are the Israelites. These are the Semites. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. He says, For I was an hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. And you can read on down. Look at 45. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not uh, to one of the least of these, speaking again of his brethren, ye did it not to me, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Now, how do we get saved? Do we get saved by humanitarian efforts? No. Nobody gets saved through humanitarian efforts. There are those who read Matthew 25 and come to that conclusion, because it seems to be saying that. How do we get saved? We get saved by accepting Christ. Let me give you the full context here in Matthew 25. There will be a time during the tribulation, and you can read all about this in Daniel, and you can also read about it in Revelation. There will be a time during the tribulation where the false prophet and the Antichrist pour out a very heavy persecution on God's people, the Israelites. The Israelites, the last three and a half years of the tribulation, will go into hiding. They will go into hiding. And the Antichrist will use his power, Satan will use his power, they'll work in tandem, along with the false prophet. They'll, they'll seek to destroy as many of the Jews as they can. And, in fact, in Matthew 24, we find that Jesus tells the Jews during this time, be very careful because there will be Antichrists who try to deceive you. Don't listen to them. You need to be very careful about this. The persecution against the Jews is going to be fierce. Many of the kings will join in with the Antichrist and help persecute the Jews. There will be a handful of kings, clearly, according to Joel 3 and Matthew 25, there will be a handful of kings who secretly try to help shelter the Jews and protect them from the attack of the Antichrist, when Jesus comes back and He wages war uh, on, uh, on the earth's armies against Him, that final war of good and evil takes place. I'm sorry. The, the final war at the end of the tribulation takes place there uh, in uh, the valley of Megiddo. What ends up happening is that He brings the kings in and those kings that helped the Jews were lining up with Christ because they believed in Christ, they're allowed into the eternal kingdom. Those Jews or those kings that lined up with the Antichrist to persecute the Jews will have rejected Christ. They'll be sent to everlasting punishment. So we see uh, the enemies of the Lord will be executed. The enemies of the Jews will be executed. Uh, when the Antichrist wages war and you're being told to choose sides, those that choose sides with the Antichrist will be executed and will not be allowed to enter into this millennial kingdom. Uh, letter B, we see their position elevated. Go with me to verse number 13, Matthew, or rather uh, Isaiah 60, and look at verse 13. So, now we've gotten through the night part of that day of the Lord. We've gotten through the tribulation 
And uh, now we have set uh, aside the, the evil kings. They've been executed. That, in fact, go back to verse 12. For the nation and, nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. So now we're entering into the millennial kingdom. The enemies of Israel have been sent uh, packing sent uh, uh, to hell. They've been executed. We're moving into the eternal kingdom. And now the Lord is going to set up His throne in Jerusalem. Look at verse 13. The glory of Lebanon shall be upon thee, the fir tree, the pine tree, and the box together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee, and they that despise thee shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet, and they shall... Call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. We'll keep reading in a minute. I just want to insert here. Can you see the descendants of Adolf Hitler and those German soldiers who were responsible for those Jewish concentration camps several generations removed now coming into Jerusalem and, and they're, they're, they're now worshiping the Lord and they're now serving the Jews? Can you see these other people groups throughout history who've persecuted the Jews? Their descendants are now bringing the Israelites home to their homeland and they're there in the nation and they're worshiping the Lord and they're serving the people of Israel. Look at verse 15. Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee, I will make thee an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. Then also thou shalt... uh, uh, let Let me back up. Verse 16. Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles, and shalt suck the breasts of, of kings, and thou shalt know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Now that language is weird, alright? That's odd language. But what does that mean? Just as a mother nourishes her child on her breast, one day the nations of Israel will, or rather the nations around, the Gentile nations will nourish Israel by bringing in goods into their homeland as they worship the Lord Jesus Christ. They're sitting on His throne. It gets better. Look at verse 16. For brass I will bring gold, and for iron I will bring silver, and for wood brass and thy stones iron. So the, the, the upgrade in their natural resources, I will also make thy officers peace and thine exactors righteousness. So not only is he going to bring uh, uh, a domestic and, and international peace, he's going to bring uh, financial wealth and he's going to bring civil peace within the nation as he rules and reigns. Look with me at verse 17. Uh, For brass I will bring gold. Uh, 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 we, we read that verse. Okay. So their, their position elevated. Uh, the world will become Israeli-centric during the millennial reign where King Jesus will rule as a theocracy in all of the world will answer to Him. We know from other passages, which we'll get into in the, in the coming weeks as we progress through Isaiah, but just briefly, we know that the sin curse will be lifted off the planet. A lion and a lamb will lay down together and sleep. Can you imagine that? A child will play with a scorpion in a ditch with no fear of being hurt. Um, atomic bombs will be beaten into plowshares. There will be no more war. No more war. Uh, uh, the, the, the world will have that curse lifted. Creation is groaning for that day and against the day that that will come. 
And so uh, that will happen with Israel back at the center of God's plan. Their, their position elevated. Now, some would say, well, why does Israel get to have that? And I would say this, that God chose Abraham and is blessing him. Uh, go back to the Abrahamic covenant and then go back to the Davidic covenant. This fulfillment of the millennial reign where Israel is back at the center is a fulfillment of the covenant to these men and others throughout uh, the, the Bible there, the Mosaic covenant as well. God were, is going to go back and work through Israel. And I would say, uh, you would say, well, Pastor, give me one reason, one reason why God will do this. And here's the reason. Because way, way back, some 4,000 years ago, David loved God with such passion that God made David a promise that he would rule and reign from his Israeli throne. This is the power. So here's the application for us today. This is the power that comes when a man or woman wholly gives their heart to loving the Lord. You see, we push past a barrier of just existing and, 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 and having God as a partitioned off part of our life to where God becomes all about who we are and we love Him and, and, and we give our life and devotion to Him and we pursue a deeper relationship with Him. We push past a barrier to where we experience the love of God on a very, very, very deep level. Their position elevated. Let her see. Their peace enduring. Their peace enduring. Now, we've already looked at the rest of the chapter uh, last week. We looked at the rest of the chapter. Look with me at verse 18. This is so great. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls salvation, and thy gates peace. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to get on a plane with a handful of other folks from this church, and I'm going to fly uh, to Israel, and I'm going to walk the Holy Land, and I cannot wait to get to do that. And I've had a handful of people ask me, Pastor, are you nervous about the violence going on uh, in that part of the world? And my answer is no, I'm not. And there are those who would be, and there might be those going on this trip who are a little nervous. I'm going to say, as your shepherd, I'm not nervous. And I'm not nervous for many reasons. But I do acknowledge that there is uh, conflict over there right now. There are um, there There is a battle going on with Palestine and and uh, occasionally they sign peace treaties, but those get broken usually within hours or days or weeks, and they're right back to firing missiles at each other. You know, there's going to come a day where no more missiles are fired in Israel. They don't need an iron dome anymore, because it won't ever be used. There's coming a day where their walls will be called salvation, because to be inside of those is to be very near to the Lord Jesus who is the author of salvation. Why do you have gates on walls? Give gates on walls for protection. Give gates on walls so that when there's terror, you can close them. You know, those gates will stay open and people will flow in and out during that millennial reign. And those gates will be called praise. You know why? Because people will come in through those gates to go into Israel and they immediately their heart will be lifted up in praise to sing to the Lord. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, 
when we get to that millennial reign and we get to go into the, uh, in, into, the, into the city of Jerusalem, it will be a time of great salvation and praise. What a day that's going to be. Again, the challenge for you tonight is to keep marching forward for the Lord and to walk in the light as He is light. You know, when we do life our way and we do it devoid of God, uh, we don't include the Lord in our thoughts and our actions, what ends up happening is we walk in darkness and we do not the truth. But when we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with God our Father. Do we not? We need to walk in the light day in and day out. And we need to deal with the darkness that lies within us, confess it, forsake it, and uh, look forward to a day where we live in an eternal kingdom where there is no more night. Now, uh, I'll say this from a theological standpoint, and we'll be done. There will be a day where Jew and Gentile don't matter anymore. Those titles will cease to be. You say, when will that day come? It will come after the millennial reign when the new heaven and new earth descend and this earth burns with the fervent heat. Look at Peter's epistles and you can find that. One day this earth will burn up in a fervent heat. A new heaven and a new earth will descend. We know very little about that new heaven and new earth. The only description we have for any of it is the new Jerusalem. And boy, the description of the new Jerusalem in Revelation 22 is just, just breathtaking. And uh, there, Jew and Gentile won't matter. We'll live forevermore. And it's going to be a great day. The number 12 is relevant. Why? There are 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 apostles that founded the church. And that city is marked all over the place by the number 12, where Jew and Gentile will be brought together and will all serve God and uh, glorify God forevermore as one people. Let's stand together and uh, we'll pray tonight. Let's keep marching forward for the Lord and praising Him as we serve Him. And let's give our life to live for Him. Be in prayer for this upcoming Sunday. It's International Sunday. One last push. Wear some clothing that represents your country of origin. You say, I don't have any. Go shopping this week. Amen? All the ladies said, Amen. All right. Okay, go shopping this week. Get some, get your hands on some things. Come in here. Have a great time. If you're coming to the potluck, please bring some sort of a breakfast item. That way we have enough food to go around. Even if you're U.S. and been U.S. for uh, generations, bring something and uh, that way we can all enjoy it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. We pray you'd help us to take the truths we covered uh, this evening. And Lord, um, help us as we walk through life, not to walk in darkness, but to walk in light knowing that one day you'll be the light that shines forevermore and there will be no more night. What a day that's going to be. We look forward to it. Help us to live our lives for you this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. It's a joy to be your pastor. Have a great rest of your week.